So hello and welcome to the TTRPG crowdfunding review show from the RPG Academy. My name is Michael and I'm here as always with Larry. Larry, say hello to everyone. Good morning. And also, as always, we're with Ellen. Ellen, say hello to everyone. Hi. So if you're new here, because I think this is only the second time we've tried to stream this, it has been an audio podcast from the beginning, is we're going to take a look at some currently running TTRPG campaigns, maybe some things you might have missed, maybe some things that everyone in the world knows about, but they're things that have interested us enough that we want to talk about them, share a little bit about them on the stream, uh, and try not to spend too much money, because pretty much every time we do this show, I end up spending money, and I can't keep doing that. I'm actually going to start the show with a little bit of an announcement. So just a couple of days ago, we kind of, we got the landing page for Action 12 Cinema, which is my banner today for the first TTRPG that I have designed that's going to be coming to Kickstarter soon into 2023. And actually, so we now have the landing page, so you can go and click to, to follow. My goal is 100 followers before we launch, based on where I think our goal is going to be. If we get 100 people to back at the print level, that should pretty much cover our budget. So that's kind of my goal. Uh, we're at 36 now, as you can see. And I'm actually going to announce today that the Kickstarter is actually going to go live in February because it's going to be February 28th is the day that the Kickstarter will go live. It will end on March 29th, basically running for 30 days. And as always, that is a day of detention. So we will be counting down the Kickstarter live on our detention program, hopefully celebratory, but we shall see. I also want to quickly mention that um, a Catacon 2022 fabulous time. One of the best, if not the best event we ever have. I can only assume that it's because we covered it here. I'm <laughs> going to attribute all of its success to the fact that we covered a little bit here. Uh, but Larry actually got to go. Ellen, unfortunately, last minute, some things came up and wasn't able to attend. But Larry did. I have not had a chance to say other than like two words about it. So if you don't mind, Larry, very briefly, can you tell us a little bit about your Acaticon experience this year? Yes. Um, my wife and I both went up for it and she played in a game of mine. I ran my first con games at a catacon this year, and by that I mean my first con games ever. So that was a big step for me personally as a GM. I hadn't done that before. And honestly, with it being a more sort of homey, smaller, kind of friendlier con, I felt more comfortable and I thought this was a good time to do it. Uh, we got there Friday afternoon, checked in very smoothly, got our tickets and, and any swag picked up uh, almost immediately there and went through, looked at the vendors. Um, had, I, I don't didn't get a count on how many people you, uh, you ended up having there, but we had a really nice time just walking around Friday, talking to some people. Then Saturday, um, I ran a 9 a.m. Uh, let's see, that was the Barbarians of the Ruined Earth game. I had three out of four players show up, and that was a blast. It was so much more fun than I expected, and nobody was mean. They didn't throw darts or knives or anything like that. Uh, we had a well, good that, time. Well, that is good. <laughs> we had had a good time. We stuck within the, uh, finished up within the time period, and then the Castles and Crusades was my second game. I ran that at uh, 3 o'clock and had four players for that game. Again, another wonderful time, and one, uh, two of the players were related. I had a father-daughter there, and she was, mm, I think, like 10 or 11 years old, and mm -hmm played a rogue and was just really into it. So that was, um, that was really cool. I thought that you got a lot of uh, range of ages and folks there and just uh, had a really good time seeing some of the folks hadn't seen since the last Acaticon we were at, which yep. was probably 2019. Yeah, you were there. That was still technically our largest attended year, but this year felt 
like it, the numbers don't match up, but it felt about the same to me as far as number of people. I think maybe we just had a more spread out. Saturday was super busy this year. Actually, we, we were not prepared for the level of busy that we had on Saturday. So we've already talked about making a few changes. And again, every year we try to improve and upgrade and see what we can do differently. Uh, we're going to have more open gaming tables on Saturday next year. So it's easier to find pickup games and that kind of stuff. And uh, and one thing we're talking about is to focus, try to get focus more on our younger attendees and maybe do like a junior academy sort of thing, like a whole series of programming where it's kids running games, it's kids on panels talking about games, and just kind of get that perspective. Because, and again, I know this isn't a full commercial for Catacon, though obviously it's near and dear to my heart, that kids 13 and under are free at a Catacon. Mm. Like you, you have a kid that age, you just show up, they are free, they don't have to buy a badge or anything. And I think if more people knew that, we would have more families, kids there, so we want to kind of highlight that. Um, and then quickly I'll add before we move on is every year we try to come up with some sort of like subtitle and theme. Usually they make no sense other than to me and they make me laugh and that's all I really care about. Uh, so for next year being our 11th year, we're currently thinking about calling it a catacon 11 foot pole. Because I remember back from my AD&D games, there were things that, you know, you wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. So it was standard adventuring gear to have an 11-foot pole. I think it's hilarious. Like six other people so far think it's like, okay. Uh, but that, that might be the one that we're going with. And then for, for our 13th year, we've already said it's going to be a Catacon 13 and under are free. So that kind of, you know, kind of rolls all that together. Okay, so with all that out of the way, uh, we're going to jump into the show proper, and we're going to start this week with my first one, which is Heroes of Might and Magic 3, the board game. Are either of you familiar with the property of Heroes of Might and Magic 1, 2, or 3? Is that an RTS? Uh, it was originally a computer game yeah. back in like late 90s, like 95, 96, I think I was playing that. Um, I actually remember my first job, I was still in college and I got hired by the university that I was going to, to be a, a full-time employee at the library. That's kind of how I ended up paying for my college. Nice. And we had just got computers at the circulation desk, which is where I worked. And we loaded so much stuff on these computers. Like they were supposed to be for checking out books, but we had every chat room, every RTS, <laughs> everything. Like that's all we did was sit and play games. And I played Heroes of Might and Magic 3 on one of these computers. And I loved that game. Could not tell you anything about it now. Other, I just have very fond memories. It could be that I was working and getting paid to play you know, video games maybe. Uh, but basically that's what this Kickstarter seems to be. It is a analog version. They have, they have decomputerized the whole process of playing Heroes of Might and Magic 3 and turned it into a board game. Uh, so this was created by Archon Studios. They have created 13 before. They've only backed one. The last two of their Kickstarters were for terrain sets. Like uh, It looks like not the like ST, STL files, but actually they produced them and sent them out. The third one back, I noted, was a Wolfenstein board game. So it's another IP-based board game. Uh, that one raised over $700,000. It was delivered almost seven months late. Uh, but it does have a rating of 7.4 on Board Game Geek. I don't pay a whole lot of attention to those rankings, but I do occasionally check. Like if I'm going to buy a new game for a Catacon library, I'll, I'll check to see if it's like a five or something. And really 7.4 is not bad. Like some of the best games on Board Game Geek are like 8.1. Like I don't know, there might be, but I don't know hardly any games that are higher than mid eight. So to me, I, I count that as a pretty high score for an IP-based board game, which gives me a little bit of confidence that maybe this board game will also be well-received. 
this one is currently over $2 million. It was 1.9 when I looked at this last night. So it's gained $70,000, actually $120,000 just since I looked at this yesterday. Uh, its original goal was 51000 That's converted to U.S. dollars. And this project ends on November 29th at 3 p.m. So by the time you're hearing this, if you're not watching it live now, you've got about a week. So I just have my notes here that I don't really remember the game very much uh, from the computer playing days. But looking at the the Kickstarter here, it's a one to four player game that is a mixture of deck building and map tile placement. So you're going to start by choosing your faction. Your faction will determine which of two hero types that you can recruit. You have a town that you will build and, and increase fortifications for so that if you're attacked or someone lays siege to you, you have your defenses in place. You're going to explore the map by revealing and laying tiles, kind of like uh, Baldur's Gate, or not Baldur's Gate, um, Betrayal House on the Hill sort of thing. So you're going to be creating, uh, laying out tiles where you might find you know, a, a relic, um, an artifact, a mine, like there's the things that you can uncover as you explore that you can then, you know, go into and delve into and get other treasures and increase your wealth, increase your power. Uh, you will have a singular hero from, again, if I'm reading this correctly, who will level up D&D or other RPG style and will lead your army. Uh, you compete against other players. You fight battles. You lay siege to their castle. I, again, I don't remember the exact like win condition, if it's wiping the board or if there's a certain level of you know building success you need to get to. My one kind of criticism, because it looks really cool, is it feels like to me you kind of need the expansions to actually have the complete game. Because they have these modular components, like they have like the battle expansion where you can really like the battles have extra rules and it says, you know, show that you are the best at strategy. And they have like a tower expansion, which I think you can build up your your city a little bit differently. But from what I read, again, I may have missed this. It felt like if you don't get all the expansions, you're not actually getting the complete game. They're not additions. It seems like they're components of the game that they expect you to play, which they're not the only Kickstarter has done something similar to that. But it was it did stick out to me. So the basic pledge level for this one is around $78 US. Uh, the Azure pledge, which gives you the first set of expansions, would be 124 The Grail pledge, which is basically all the expansions, is 175 And then there's a collector's pledge that is 206 As of last night, when I looked, they had unlocked every stretch goal that they had presented. And at the bottom, it just said more may be coming. So again, they have so far exceeded their goal. I don't know if this is one of those like, come on, many things where they actually expect to do $5 million or if they were like, holy crap, we're at $2 million. What do we do? So I don't know what other, uh, you know, expansions or stretch goals that you could be expecting to come. Um, shipping is not included, not a surprise. And it is estimated in the U S about $23 and in Canada about, oh, excuse me, in the U S it's estimated between 23 and 35, depending on which level pledge you get. And, uh, Canada is similar, but slightly higher things like 25 to 37 estimated and delivery is expected in December of next year, which I mean is, is a full year away. Again, their last IP board game was seven months late. So. All right. So anybody have any questions about that one? I did play the game back in the day as well, and it seemed like they just kept making them like it was Heroes of Might and Magic all the way up to like nine different editions or something. But yeah, I was looking over this. These games overwhelm me because it looks like you have so much stuff to balance, move, and lay out. I'm I'm a little bit uh, thunderstruck by it, I guess. It does seem like a lot 
Um, but one thing actually I will mention, there are just so many reviews and playthroughs on YouTube for this one. You know, this is obviously not something they just came up with. Um, so if you are interested in how would the game actually work, how would it play? I'm trying to scroll through right now. You can see, you know, a lot of the expansions were for additional minis that you get. Um, keep going. It's, it's a very long page. Mm-hmm. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Lots of stuff, lots of stuff. More minis, more cards, more tokens. Here's some expansions. Here we go. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, that, that's another there. thing with the minis. So many of them look yeah. like they're in action poses. <laughs> I mean, they're amazing looking. Yeah, the minis are cool. I, I was going to say, like, all the, the stuff. There's just a lot of stuff with this one. So I think, there is. I think for people who are inclined to collecting and, like, painting minis and stuff like that and... Um, really like having that, you know, collectible thing that sits on your shelf, but that you can also interact with and play. I think this is probably really great. I have not, I've never played this property of games, but it looks um, very interesting. And I did send it immediately to one of my friends who I'm like pretty <laughs> sure loved this franchise because like right. he would be definitely into this because he loves board games and he loves RTSs. So I was like, I don't know for sure you played this, but uh, this is in up your alley. So. Yeah, so I'm, I'm at the place here. So, yeah, there's like maybe 10 reviews and gameplay videos on YouTube that you can look at right now. There's several, uh, like, you know, uh, I think quotes from people like that have taken a look at it. So if you're interested, before you support, you can absolutely go and see some of the playthrough. Yes. Um, I like deck building games. It's one of my favorite style of games. So anything that incorporates deck building is going to make me interested. I do like tile laying games. It's not... I don't play a lot of those, but when I do, like Betrayal and House of the Hill is one, I, I do enjoy that aspect. I recently backed the Clank, the new Clank version, which does, does the same thing. So I actually should get that tomorrow. Pretty excited. Uh, so this has a lot of things that interest me, but I, I am actually trying to limit my Kickstarter budget for basically after a Catacon because I'm really close to actually being debt free. <laughs> after a Catacon did well, my getting all my Academy stuff paid off. So I will not be back in this one myself, but if uh, if, if before a catacomb, this would have been an instant back for me. But right now, I'm trying to be a little bit more, uh, you know, controlled in my spending. All right. So with that out of the way, I'm done. Uh, we'll go to Ellen next. What is your first one this week, please? Uh, my first one is going to start the theme, which is Savage Worlds, or actually more accurately, because I have a bonus thing that I'm <laughs> going to be talking about because I cheated, um, is uh, non-5e. <laughs> So none of my uh, projects that I'm looking at this week are 5e. So the first one is Tales from the Trail, volume, volume 2. And I just want to shout this one out, especially, and I put this one first, because it has not reached its goal yet. And I want it to ah. reach its goal because I have the after. I, I backed the after when it came out. I backed Tales from the Trail, Volume 1. This is going to be a plot point campaign. This is a really rad setting, and I'm going to just jump right into it. So... This, the premise of this setting is that you are in like a sci-fi frontier western post-apocalyptic world where it's a North America uh, in an earth that has been um, already attacked by aliens. The aliens have come, they have gone, they have left their imprint on the earth, and you are the remnants of the people who are trying to rebuild. And so that's just a really... It could be a really bleak setting, but there are um, aspects of it that involve um, building and maintaining relationships with other civil, like other settlements, and like um, just trying to 
redo technology that has been lost and stuff like that. So it's very much a game about uh, rebuilding and making your uh, characters and civilization more prosperous. And so there is a very big aspect of hope there, um, even in the, the you know bleak environment. But it's just a really rad aesthetic. <laughs> uh because it's a little bit sci-fi it's a little bit western it's you know frontier um and that is what the after is broadly tales from the trail the first book um was crowdfunded in 2021 um and it features a whole bunch of different adventures that can be used in whatever kind of campaign you want um tales from the trail 2 this one is a, a plot point campaign and some additional uh standalone adventures so that's sort of like um, the model that a lot of Savage Worlds settings like to do, you have a plot point campaign and then you have Savage Tales that you can insert in as appropriate. So, um, I can't say enough good things about this author. No, I'm serious. Like, you're laughing at me, but like, the book for the after, I wish I had brought it upstairs. It's downstairs right now. It's like this thick and every page has a purpose and a level of detail that is honestly mind-boggling the art's really cool and the um just tone and theme of the game is really well thought out i haven't had the opportunity to um run a campaign in this setting i really want to this is like at the top of my list for savage worlds for games that i want to run and i think the main thing holding me back from that so if uh john gibbons if you are of jade monkey studios if you're listening uh try a vtt uh set up on foundry specifically if you convert if you make a module i will buy it instantly the main thing that's holding me back is just like having to put stuff in compendiums and virtual tabletop and blah, blah, blah. But um, I would play this game in a heartbeat. I want the camp- plot point campaign so I have an idea of like where to start in making a, a campaign for this setting. And it's just really cool. Um, so I would encourage you to check out the little blurbs and the art um, on the page. The... Backing levels are really reasonable. They're out of order for me because I've already backed one second. Um, sure, yeah. Trail Explorer is the $16 level. You get a uh, PDF copy of Tales of the Trail and get all the digital stretch goals. Plus, your name is printed inside the book. So if that's something you care about, like if you enjoy being part of some, bring something to life, that is there too. There's also the $31 uh, pledge level where you get the um, after PDF the Tales from the Trail Volume 1 and Tales from the Trail Volume 2, as well as the stretch goals for $31. Um, and uh, Breach Runner, which is about $22. Um, and that is the voucher for the print on demand. It's going through um, Drive Through RPG, as a lot of these do. And um, you get the PDF, stretch goals, and your name in the book. So I will say, perhaps, and we have talked about this before, and I think since we do a lot of uh, talking about crowdfunding, um, perhaps the fact that there aren't as many tiers and they're not as high dollar could be part of the reason why it's not funded yet. That is my suspicion. I have never done a Kickstarter myself, but I know that you are well-versed in this, Michael. So, um, that is my suspicion. And we have talked about the gaming of the system and how, like, you have to tread very carefully as a creator for one of these things. But that is just my, uh baseless assertion (laughs) but um i just i 100 percent think that this 
setting for Savage Worlds is amazing. Oh, I should say the tagline for it. It's, the war is over. The enemy has gone. Reclaim the earth. And I feel like that's just really powerful in nine words <laughs> or uh, 10, 12 words, 11 words. I can't count. It's fine. Yes. So they are about, they are less than $500 away from their goal. I really want this to fund because I really want it. <laughs> my, that's my first guess is that the pledge levels are not priced properly. Yeah. And again, this is a very ignorant opinion, but basically they need, they need $500. They have a hundred backers. So if they, if their pledge levels were roughly three or $3 higher for this one and $5 higher for this one, they would be there. And I think they probably could have done that again. This is me just talking about, but I could be wrong, but I, they also have almost, they have over two weeks to go and only 500. Mm-hmm. I have full confidence this will get there, but as such a low goal, I would have expected them to, to be there earlier Already, than they are. Yeah. yeah. So again, I hopefully, again, we talk about the reason we do the show. Mostly it's because we just love doing this stuff. Anyways, we back way too many projects mm-hmm. ourselves, but we also want part of what we do is to find things like this that are, they're on the cusp of success and perhaps what little exposure we can give them will help. You personally want this one to, yes. uh, to succeed because you want this <laughs> material. Uh, so that's a perfect combination in my mind of what we're trying to accomplish and being selfish at the same time. So I also hope this would get there. As I just said, I'm going to try really hard not to back things <laughs> for a little while, but this is actually very similar in a lot of ways to that Savage World campaign that I'm going to be starting next year called Finders Keepers. It's also in sort of a, it's, mine doesn't have anything to do with aliens as far as anyone knows, uh, but it is a broken world after some sort of apocalypse and there's, you know, very few people left, but lots of monsters left. So I probably could borrow a lot from this. Mm-hmm. So this might end up getting a back. See, this is why I don't like the show because it makes me spend money I don't want to spend. Well, I will say with the new Trailhand pledge level, I'm pretty sure like if I go to drive through right now, I'm pretty sure that if I look and see what the after PDF costs on drive through like you would be getting a deal to get it from the kickstarter in addition right. to tales from the trail one and tales from the trail volume two which i think is also goes back to what we said if it was a little if the pledge tiers were a little bit more expensive i think the people potentially who have already pledged would still have pledged and they'd be closer right. to the goal or already met it so or in other words at these prices i'd be losing money not to back it honestly <laughs> That's true. And I'm going to encourage you to back it, Michael. I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, so delivery is expected May of next year. And I will say, I believe that um, everything that I have received from them, like, came on time. And, like, I cannot overstate the degree to which the books are cool. And, like, they are well thought out. And they are, like, you are getting what you want for your money from these books. So Larry, anything else on this one before we move on? Uh, I've got the after the initial setting set and it, it is really cool. I mean, it is well done as well. I can certainly back that up, but uh, this is adding to that. Definitely a lot of stuff in there to, to borrow or inspire you for your Savage World games. I mean, it's quality product there um, to follow in those footsteps. Yes. There's always stuff. And that's the nice thing about Savage Worlds. If you have this setting, you can pull from it and use it in your other game because the core rules are the same. So, uh, And I was just going to sort of tease that. So we're going to do a show next, in two weeks from today, which I believe is December 4th. And that is going to be our final show for this year. And we're going to cover just a couple campaigns and then we're going to spend the rest of the time talking about 
all the money we have spent because we, we kind of tease and joke about that, but it's, it's not a lie. We, between the three of us, we put a lot of money into crowdfunding campaigns. Uh, so we're going to talk about basically how many we've backed this year, any highlights, you know, low lights, maybe things we've regretted backing at all or things we wish we would have backed at a different level. So if you are curious about how much time and effort and energy we spend on crowdfunding campaigns, come back in two weeks and then you'll get the full story. There might be some tears, especially for me. All right. So, Larry, what is your first one this week, sir? Uh, this week, uh, starting out with a an adventure for the MCC from Goodman Games, the uh, Mutant Crawl Classics. This is an adventure for character levels three. Um, it's called Fire in the Mole, and it is fitting for the setting. It is a little bit uh, odd. This one is sitting at $1,699 out of a $500 goal, fully funded here. Nine days to go on this, so November 29th is when it will be ending. This one is done by Ian McGee, and this is his third one created, and he's backed like 140-some other ones. The other ones that he's already sent out were both in Zine format, and they were for the last one uh, featured a Mork Borg adventure, and the one before that was more system agnostic and just had ad- adventure ideas and things that you could plug into different systems. But this one is specifically for MCC, and it is a single adventure here. The stretch goals he's looking at... Uh, like I said, just under $1,700. The first stretch goal unlocks pre-generated characters, but that's not till 5000 And it's just got a little over a week to go. And then the next one after that would be um, another incursion of uh, mutant rat uh, clans at 10000 And it's unlike, I think mean, it seems unlikely that they'll get to that one, but possibly the pre-gens might be within reach if they have a big push here. This one is not going to be coming out till March of 2023, but it uh, has been officially licensed from Goodman Games to be compatible with MCC uh, for third level PCs in that game. And they go to level 10, I believe. So four to six of them. And the backstory, the idea behind this one is that you've been hired to investigate and clean out an outpost. And this outpost had been used by the great science apes in the time of the ancients to explore the deep arteries of the planet itself. Oh, that sounds kind of neat, I thought. Well, you've been (laughs) hired by an AI that runs the facility, as it were. And you're essentially just coming in and being used as Orkin people. You've got to go in and exterminate this little infestation. But the thing is, the little infestation turns out that these are not just regular rodents; these are cyborg giant mutant possums. So it's a little bit, um, a little bit of more difficulty. It's ramped up as they uh, get a little bit crazier with um, all sorts of augmentations and things. Uh, this one I initially heard about on the This Old Dungeon podcast. They're going to be delivering the drive. Our th- drive-through is going to be delivering their PDFs. And the print version, if you decide to get that, is said it's going to be done by a U.S.-based small business, but that part wasn't addressed in any of the updates or comments in there, so I'm not sure who's doing it, but it's uh, printed in the U.S. $7 for the PDF on this one, $16 for the print and PDF, uh, and they're only shipping to certain countries, um, so you're going to take a a look at that, but uh, it's pretty affordable, especially if you're looking at getting the print. you know, for $16 in there. And uh, I the art that they show you is a little bit, it, it fits with the MCC style where it's a little bit gonzo. Um, it's not, it's not sci-fi. It's more like that, like Arthur, or was it Arthur? 
Clerks. I'm sorry. Some of these OSR authors, you know, the things that they get inspired, it it's it gets a little confusing to me. But there's robots, there's lasers, and giant rats, and like I said, these ones are angry possums that have had some augmentations. Uh but they've had the other two uh that they have launched were successful and funded um and were delivered on time. And uh, the Silver Boulet is the company that's actually putting this out, but the Ian was I think the that's one. very clever. Like that name alone just makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that one too, but um, like uh, these type of adventures, uh, uh, the MCC brings a lot of fun to it. You know, uh, I think this one is going to be one definitely looking into if you want to look at something you could even port over to a little bit of a weirder D and D game or whatever. But uh, you know, based on the DCC rules initially, and then they add in mutations and and more you know laser weapons and stuff. So. I'd just ask you to take a look at this one. It is funded, but it would be nice to see them hit a stretch goal if they can make it. Yeah, I mean, it looks really cool. I think the the pledge levels are super reasonable, but maybe, again, maybe even a little bit too too reasonable. But their stretch goals do not make sense to me. I don't know why you would wait for 5,000 to do pre-gens. Like, I, I feel like anything, they should swap that, and the additional adventure should come first. And then pre-gens, I don't know, I just feel like those should be included anyways. Like, that's such a... Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, yeah. If you if you want to get somebody to play this, the easiest way to do it is to give them everything in one book. Just go ahead and yep. play. So, I mean, other than dropping it into an adventure or a, a campaign you're running in MCC and you've already got characters of that level, that's going to be extra work for the GM. But uh, I, I agree with you there, at least as far as the stretch goals go. And they and they've already funded three high. times over, so you know they they clearly know what they're doing. But uh, it seems a little bit weird to me. But I'm also not really familiar with this particular brand of adventure, so I don't know if that's common or not. And it's you know you, you look at some of those ones, and it's like it's a feast or famine type thing where you will have something crazy funded, and then other things which look like good quality products just don't get the eyes on it or something, but you know, they, they either barely fund or sometimes they miss their funding goals. If, if even if they're not particularly high. Right. So again, really, that's part of what we're trying to do is to, to help smaller, you know, campaigns like this. So hopefully our exposure will help them get a little bit higher. If not, you know, to that stretch goal. Get the word out. Yes. That's right. You have anything on this one, Ellen? Uh, just that it looks fun and zany. I like all the, uh, jokes and you know comedy that has been injected into this uh all the descriptions and, and also silver boulet is i want to reiterate is very funny yeah i like that a lot graphically graphic layout wise if you see at the top of the uh the page here for the kickstarter you've got the fire in the mole and then the way it's laid out that's a wraparound cover so the front cover will have the giant rodent and the back cover will have the characters and the spine is supposed to be the uh, little door they're separating them so yeah. i love that too. thank you for yeah. highlighting that i love that yeah that would have been something good to show though on the kickstarter you know i have like a mock-up of the book type of a thing so anyway all righty so I am back up again, and my second one this time, also from Kickstarter, is called Puzzle Box, The Legacy of the Alchemists. And this is basically one or both of these sort of like laser-cut, put-together mechanical puzzle boxes. So this company here is called Puzzle Potato. This is their first created, which, again, is a red flag. You always want to be a little bit careful with that. But I think these are very cool looking. And essentially, if you're not familiar with the concept, it's, you know, it's like a, 
it's a small handheld device that has all these different mechanisms and locks and they're, they're logical based puzzles that you have to figure out the correct order and sequence and where to turn and manipulate things. In some cases, lock things into certain places that will then unlock a separate area that you will then twist and Rubik's cube style, Rubik's cube style go through uh, and eventually hopefully open up and get inside. Um, it, some of the imagery here shows there's a space inside of each of these that you could hide things. So maybe this could be like a cool birthday or Christmas present for someone who likes these types of puzzles. You could put actual money inside or maybe like a coupon or I don't know, you know, lost treasure map type of a thing. Uh, for me, this is something that I would consider getting maybe for like a D&D game or other role-playing game and like have a physical prop that the players have to actually solve. But I wonder how many of my players would just smash it against the wall and get inside and be like, hey, I won. Got a hammer. <laughs> exactly. The hammer wins. Uh, so this one is, there's two different alchemists. Uh, so the, the first one is uh, tied to Nicholas Flamel, who you might, might know famously from Harry Potter, who apparently created the Philosopher's Stone, and then Isaac Newton and an anti-gravity device. So these are basically just sort of themed to fit those, but otherwise there's no real connection. They are not connected as far as like one doesn't help you solve the other. Uh, they're just two different versions of a similar concept. So the puzzle box, the Philosopher's Stone version, is 12 by 12 by 11 centimeters. It is rated for eight, excuse me, for 14 and up one or two players, which I guess that means you just take turns. I don't know really how that works. Uh, Playtime, they say 60 to 90 minutes. I assume that I will use a hammer or never get in. So it's, it's, it's one minute or infinity for me. The difficulty rating is four out of five, but I have no idea. Is that like a standardized <laughs> rating system? Is this their version of how difficult? But it does have video tips available, which is very handy. I think there's some videos at some point that kind of show some of the manipulation of what the, it would look like in use. So the anti-gravity device is uh, 12 by 12 by 12 centimeter. It's also 14 plus one to two players, 69 minutes of difficulty, four out of five, and video tips are available. I just think these things are really, really cool. I think it's just absolutely something that I would love to have, though I do believe, again, I will never, ever actually figure out how they work. Uh, so when I looked at yesterday, it was 65000 on a goal of ten. they They're at 68000 now, so they've gotten a little bit of funding last night. Uh, there's 11 days to go as of recording and ending on December 1st. For $41, you can get the Philosopher's Stone puzzle or $45 for the anti-gravity device or $82 for both. All of those are U.S. Uh, dollars. Uh, shipping is separate, and it's around 20 bucks for both U.S. or Canada. And delivery is expected in March of next year. I'm so, curious. Uh, see if I can play the video. I think that should still go through OBS. So it shows you some really close up to some of the, like you see this little like um, clear acrylic, almost like staples that you have to use in some cases to like lock in pieces and parts. I have no idea if the video audio is playing. I'm just trying to get to the part where it shows I'm actually using it. There we go. Uh, again, I don't know if you two can actually see that or not, but the audience should be able to. So I don't know. I thought these were super cool. Do either of you have any history with these or any thoughts on this one in particular? Um, I have a – oh, go ahead. I was just going to say I bought a pu couple simple puzzle boxes from my local gaming store, and I almost went to the hammer. I, 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 this is not my forte. <laughs> I have a globe puzzle that is like – it's designed to be um, – displayed like as a world globe and so it's sitting on my shelf in the other room 
And it took me like three hours to put together because it is a circle. It's a sphere, so it's not your right. typical puzzle. I think this is really cool. I'm curious because it says pre-assembled. So that, for me, presents some questions about how they're shipping it and what the box is going to look like. It, like, if it came disassembled, it would be easier and probably cheaper to ship, is my thought. Mm-hmm. And is also less likely to break. So that is my only hesitation with this. Because it's like pre-assembled. I was like, hmm. Also, it means that you don't get to have the joy of putting it all together. Yeah, um, you have to. You have to uh, unassemble it. it. Yeah, you have to unassemble it and get inside. So, uh, just a quick story. So, my wife is amazing at puzzles. Mm-hmm. Like, it, she she is a savant when it comes to puzzles, at least compared to me, anyways. And when we first started dating, I would constantly buy her puzzles just because it was. I, I knew she liked them. She was really good at them. And so, like, you know, if you go to, like, crafty stores, they'll have, like, the little horseshoe thing where it's, like, the three nails that are bent in a certain way, right? So I spent so much money on these, and I would give them to her, and within, like, moments, she would hand them back to me solved. It got to the point where it was frustrating. So I was just happened to be to, like, a I think it was, like, an old bookstore sort of thing that had a puzzle area. And they had this little puzzle that was, like, this, it, had, it was, a, like, a Cylinder? Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Cylinder shape that was just like bars, right? So it was just like a circle and a circle and then like plastic bars that go all the way around like a little cage. And inside there was a little ball with little nubs that are at various various lengths and then one long one at the top and you could hold on to that one and you could twist it and turn it. And the idea is if you turned it the right way, you'd be able to free the little sphere from inside the cylinder. And I gave this one to her. And I got we got in the car. She was in the back seat. Friend, I was in the front seat. And she's working on it, working on it, working on it. And like 30, 45 minutes goes by and she has not solved it. And I'm like, holy crap, I finally found one. And she leans forward. She's like, I don't think I can solve this one. I don't see how there's any way to get it out through the side. I'm like, no, baby, you don't, you don't go through the side. You have to get it out through the top. She goes, oh, like this. And within literally seconds, the entire time she was trying to do something that wasn't possible. But the <laughs> moment she like, I love her. I love her so much. But yeah, it was just I like my jaw just like dropped. So you mean you mean like this? Yeah, that's yes, amazing. Just like that, babe. Yeah, that's amazing. Anyway, so you're buying one for her for Christmas? Is what I'm hearing. I am. I am thinking about it um, because I actually haven't gotten her one in quite a long time. Um, I do kind of want one of these anyways to maybe use for like a prop for D and D. And I will be completely honest that the selling point for me here is the fact that you can put something in there. Mm-hmm. And I do think that would be a super cool thing for like my kids, like put something, you know, sentimental value yeah. in there and just give it to them. And, and, you know, but it's also the setup for so many movies, like, you know, 27 years old, they, they've grown up, dad has gone missing in the Aztec and they got to find me. The only thing they have is this puzzle box that arrived in the mail three <laughs> days before my last communication. I mean, I might make myself disappear just to oh have that gosh. happen. So. So I'm leaning towards backing this one with my limited budget, but I'm not sure yet. I'm glad you didn't go the Hellraiser route then with that. I I almost brought that up because there's that new Hellraiser movie that just came out on Hulu. Uh, that again, it uses the puzzle box, but uh, <laughs> this one does not appear to be made out of metal. I think that's the, the thing that will save our souls. <laughs> um, I will say uh, the nice thing about these sorts of puzzles is when you are done with it, you display it. Mm, so yeah. like... It doesn't sit in a box, it sits on your shelf. So it is like also decoration in addition to um, a toy or a puzzle. Mm-hmm. So, And it I comes in three colors, green... which is kind of fun. 
Yes. So th- that's the anti-gravity one, that, and that's a Kickstarter exclusive. You can choose either the clear acrylic, a green, or a red acrylic for that one in particular, which if that's your thing, absolutely go for it. So I don't know. So I'm, I'm on the fence about this one. I think if I could physically hold it, like if I could just go to like Barnes & Noble and buy it, I probably already would, but I'm with you. The, the shipping, the condition of how it's going to survive shipping, and the fact that it's a first-time company – Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, that doesn't mean anything. Everybody's a first timer at some point, but I, I will actually share one thing that kind of also worried me just a little bit. If you go all the way down here to the team, the team is all art. Like, I don't know if these are representations. I don't think the potato actually looks well. It says they're a team cheerleading, so maybe they actually have a cat named Potato. But the fact that we can't see who they actually are, this could just be like one person who's lying about everything. But I guess you could easily find pictures on the internet and claim that you too. So I don't, I don't know. But there was just, there was just a little bit of his like, huh? I don't know. Also, cats are not included. So all right. So that is it for me on my second one, uh, Ellen. What is your second one this week? My second one is Vermilion, which is another Savage World setting. It is a weird Western dark fantasy RPG setting for Savage Worlds. As soon as I saw weird Western and dark fantasy and the fact that they were together, I was like, I am backing this. Again, you know, again, the the Savage Worlds game that I'm running is based on the Dark Tower, yes. right? Like, yeah, yes. you told so me this, you and I'm like killing a me bit here, Smalls. about it because I'm like, <laughs> why am I not in it? <laughs> it's an open casting call. Well, it's on the Discord. Gonna have to gonna have to look at that. Um, but yes, that is a talk for another time. But yeah. A surreal, newly colonized world of humans, elves, dwarves, halflings, myths, monsters, uh, built over the bones of a long-forgotten industrial revolution, all scarred by magic. You, that sentence is like, it drives my mind completely wild. Like, I'm so excited just about, and the art, I need everyone to look at the art on this page. There is one illustrator, his name is at the bottom. Let me go look and see what his name is. Alex Veed. Maybe is how you pronounce it. But a comic book artist and writer. Um, He's the sole illustrator. And you can just see there is a lot to be had when... I'm an art person, so art means a lot to me. But there's a lot to be had when there are different artists collaborating on a thing. But when you have one really good, like, style, tone, art direction for a book, and it's very evocative, which I think this art is... It can really enhance your product a lot because everything has the same style because it's all coming from one person. So um, I think it's just amazing and adds to the whole thing. I will say um, there is a jumpstart for free on DriveThruRPG for Vermilion. So if you want to look um, and see what you could potentially be getting from the setting before you commit to it, that is available on DriveThruRPG for free. Um, so uh, in the book, there are, um, you know... Factions, locales, myths, legends, there's character bloodlines and cultural options, 50 new edges and hindrances, which is so exciting because I love stealing edges and hindrances from different settings and putting them in another setting. So new edges and hindrances, I was very excited. Uh, Generators for adventures and encounters, dozens of hooks, uh, supernatural diseases, artifacts, items, a bestiary with uh, about 100 profiles, and new setting rules for hunting and gathering creature components and magic ingredients, crafting items and artifacts, and playing anti-heroes. All of those things are like, yes, I am <laughs> going to get this, and I'm going to run this in conjunction with the fantasy companion, and I'm going to morph them together, and it's going to be amazing, and I'm so excited for that eventual game that I run. And I'm, this is, uh, like, looking at this, I'm like, oh, I have no doubt that I will use this, and I will use this a lot. Some of these right. Kickstarters you get, you're like, oh, this is cool, and it sits on your shelf. 
But like this one, I know that I'm going to read through very thoroughly and like use. Um, uh, there is a very nice map on this page that you can check out and it's, um, very, uh, and it comes in two other styles. You can get those actually on drive through already. Um, those are available. Um, so you can check out what the world is like and, um, varying pledge levels. So the first is about $16 and that is the PDF version. Uh, you get your name in the book as well. Uh, the physical version is $22 and, um, you get the print on demand voucher from drive through and the PDF as well. Um, digital artifact hunter is about $30. You get, um, everything from above, but also PDFs of the bennies, conviction tokens, custom character sheet, GM inserts, GM screen inserts, playing cards, and a world map in the three styles. And that's all in PDF. And then you can get the same for $36 in a physical level. So you get all of that, but, um, uh, the, you get the print on demand voucher as well. So the Benny's tokens, character sheet, and all of those things, the extras that I mentioned will, um, continue to be PDFs and not physical versions, but the playing cards, you get the print on demand voucher for as well. So that's cool. I love collecting different card sets for Savage Worlds because cards are integral to the system because that's how you deal initiative and do dramatic tasks and stuff like that. So um, I love having a set of cards that is specific to whatever setting I'm playing because it's just a little little bit of a, uh, you know, immersion thing. Um, this is set to deliver in June of next year and that looks like it's the print and the PDF for both. My only regret is that it is not June currently. Um, there are four days to go, and I will say this was cutting it a little short, but like this one was really cool, so I wanted to mention it. Um, so it ends on Thursday the 24th, so American Thanksgiving. Yep. Give thanks to Savage Worlds and get this setting for yourself. And uh, I will say this is um, Ben Giles' first created, but if you... Google Vermilion, and I have a couple times, just for unrelated things not involving this podcast, they, they have had a decent online presence talking about this setting for a couple of years, so it seems to me that it's been in the works for a while, and this is when they were finally able to get it to a point where they are able to kickstart it and put it out in the world. So this is something that has been in the works. There is time put behind it. Well, I will definitely be getting the, the quick start, and based on the quick start, I may be backing you're killing me this week. I'm sorry. It was also it was not planned. I was like, "Oh, Savage World, Savage World, Savage World's perfect." <laughs> nice. All righty. So, anything on this one for you, Larry? Yeah, the art is awesome like you said, amazing and then just reading through the setting, whether or not you I mean, there's so much good stuff in here that they're talking about. I think yeah, I may be pulled into this one whether it's Savage Worlds or not. There's so much good stuff here. I like this one. I like it. Very, very cool. All right. So, Larry, that brings us to your second one this week. Yes, it does. This one, we are going to take a little journey over to Indiegogo. Uh, this one is going to be Amazing Adventures 3rd Printing. Uh, they don't do additions at Troll Lord Games. They reprint, sometimes reorganize, add new art, things of that nature, sometimes clean up rules, but they don't go into multiple editions of their game systems like Castles and Crusades. Uh, so this is a third printing of Amazing Adventures, and this is their multi-genre RPG. The last uh, one, they sort of kept it as a pulp 
type system and they've rebranded it as multi-genre so multi-genre so that it is still using the siege engine and their basic systems but uh it's able to accommodate many many types of of games in here so they're going to have a separate sci-fi book a, su a superpowers book that will be following this up but uh, this has the stuff in it for um psionics it's got magic it's got fantasy it's got modern uh that that sort of thing so it is uh, designed to run many different types here if you're going to go fantasy though it's the same it would be the same system and it is compatible with their castles and crusades game um but the the way they had done this in the past with at least the last uh, printing they had a, a player's book they had a companion book they had a monster's book uh, and instead of that they're going to go to switch over to a the three title paradigm like like watsi and stuff use where there's a player's handbook a a guide for the game master which they're calling their chronicle keeper um and then they're going to have a separate monsters book this one here you can get the is a an indiegogo to get the money together to do the printing for the player's handbook and also for the chronicle keepers guide uh they're going to be doing the monsters the the new monsters book at a later time they are including a, a pdf a free pdf of the current monster book for the second printing uh, which is going to be it is compatible with the rule system, but uh, they're getting rid of the companion book and folding the classes and information from there for players into the player's handbook, and they're folding the other rules in the companion that were for running the game into the CK guide. So uh, it's going to end up being a three main core book system. But uh, again, Amazing Adventures comes from Troll Lord Games. They have backed, or excuse me, they have. Uh, produced three on indiegogo for their systems here this one is being run by uh, steven chenault that's going to be ending on december 6th the funding goal of five thousand dollars they are just uh, passed twice that now at ten thousand eight hundred at uh, the eighth at eight thousand they unlocked a stretch goal for a source book of an organization that you can use as one of the good guys that uh, will be going through different iterations in time periods to to put a uh, to have in place uh, an organization the players can work with and have resources for defeating the bad guys of that era that type of thing they do and definitely encourage you to be on the side of of the well welfare and well-being of the most people so i you know i would put that as good guys here you don't really play evil characters in this game but um they have at 12,000 if they reach that they're going to re release a mega adventure for this which is going to be made up of three individual adventures but they'll you know release them all in one piece here and another adventure at 16,000 and a story uh, some fiction at 20,000 if they make that expected delivery on this one is no earlier so at the earliest they said march of 2023 um but they don't have a they don't have anything the specific that they're willing to put in writing yet but they do address it in their uh updates or discussion thread 
um, Jason Vey, I believe, who's actually doing the writing and stuff on this. He's more or less in charge of this particular brand of, of their game. The Amazing Adventures uh, said it would be March at the earliest of next year. And again, this is a third printing, a cleanup, and a reorganization of the Amazing Adventures rules uh, compatible with first and second printings of this and Castles and Crusades. Uh, like I said, psionics, gadgeteering, some powers in, are in here for powered heroes and um, magic systems, but they are releasing at a later date. They're going to do a supers guide and they're going to, to be doing um, their sci-fi guide, which is called the Star Siege. It's like their, their setting and campaign for that. Okay. So um, we are looking to have this thing funded. I mean, it's funded, but uh, I'm looking forward to trying this out because I've got the second edition or second printing stuff and it's pretty cool. It does allow you to go ahead and mix and match from their classes to build a kind of character you want. Um, I, I, I like it that the, the siege, siege engine is simple to, to learn. It's a D20 system. You know, um, it's got firearms. I mean, it's got over 150 uh, different types of guns in this if you're a shooter. So, hey, that's something to look forward to, right? Yeah. But uh, so all, it, I've never played the system, um, but it, it, this this imagery and the way you're describing it sounds like riffs to me, which I've only played once, but I'm more familiar with that. Is, would you say that that it's kind of a fair comparison as far as like the type of gameplay? As far as the gameplay goes and the gamut of things that you can involve in your games, that is what it is designed to do. But my, uh, from, from riffs, I always get the vibe that it's all in one big mixing pot or like one big stew. This is basically for you to run. If you want to run a 1930s game, you can do that. If you want to run something in the eighties where you're hackers or whatever, you can do that, but it's not particularly designed to throw it all into one big scenario, although it will be compatible. So if you want to have advanced space aliens that show up in the thirties and you're, you know, you're a gangster trying to deal with them and ship your alcohol, go for it. I mean, that, that there will be rules in there that will support that. But if That's you want to play supers, it's a little light on that. Like I said, they are doing a separate uh, funding later on for their supers um, supplement. Okay. Ellen, you have anything on this one? I mean, I, don't want to say what I want to say, which is, oh, it sounds like it's Savage Worlds, but <laughs> um, it's it is a system agnostic, a uh, uh, setting agnostic system. That's what it sounds like to me. So um, yes. it it's maybe it's just because I have Savage Worlds on the brain today, but you know, the it sounds cool. Um, I have never had the opportunity to use this system for anything, but um, it sounds like it's a good update for people who are already invested in it. I think that's a great way to put it. If you have, if you're interested in their systems, take a look at this one because uh, you can get it in PDFs. You can get it in print. I think it's $14 to get the digital, or excuse me, $15 for the, the player's handbook in digital. They also have an add on where you can get the digital version of the CK guide. Uh, I think it's $50 for print and digital for the player's handbook. It's like 125 bucks gets you the complete game where you're going to be getting the player's guide and the and the CK guide. They also have uh, variants if you're interested in collector's type editions, uh, leather style handbooks and stuff. But those um, 
Those are 125 each. So, uh, ow. But <laughs> yeah, they're available if you like. And Troll Lords does in their store. They do have several different books that are of the leather type covers, um, collector collectors types editions, and they have frequent sales there. If you ever want to check them out for seeing, you know, Castles and Crusades or Amazing Adventures. All right. Very cool. Thank you, as always, for sharing. I will say uh, Troll Lord Games jumped on as an Akatacon sponsor very late because of a lot of issues. Um, that sounds I don't mean that negatively at all. Just like things were happening, so it took us a little while before we could finalize. Uh, but they have indicated they want to be a bigger supporter and big sponsor next year to really you know, kind of work together. And I'm looking forward to that. So I probably will have a chance to actually play in some of their games soon because uh, I really want to, to have a better familiarity with the system. Um, so yeah, so looking forward to that. All right, so my last one this week, um, this one just kind of caught my eye. I think it's kind of a neat little twist on adventure design. It's called Two 5e TTRPG Adventures Same Art. So this was created by Josh Heath. This is the sixth that they've created. They've backed over 100. Uh, Josh is the COO of High Level Games and is the admin of the Inclusive Gaming Network. The most recent Kickstarter was Dealing With Your Demons, which uh, was an adventure in two parts. That's the title, uh, which appears to have gone out ahead of schedule. So this one ends in 10 days as of recording on December 1st. Um, as of last night, it had just hit funding. Yep, still there at 691 on a goal of 600. And I just lost my page. <laughs> there we go. So basically, I really like the premise here. What they did... They bought some fantasy art from the artist Dean Spencer and gave those same art to two different writers and said, go write an adventure based on this art. And now they have two completely different takes on what that inspired. And this reminds me a lot of something we've done here. We haven't done it in a while, but we used to do something called Synergy Sessions where we would take a pack of Magic the Gathering Magic cards, cards, open them, and kind of in real time try to design an adventure around the art on the cards, the mechanics on the cards, the, you know, the fluff uh, of the mechanics or whatever, you know, on the cards. And I just thought that was a really cool way to help design adventures. And this is sort of a version of that. Uh, so they say that the adventures are completely written, edited, laid out. Everything's ready to go. The only thing they don't have are battle maps. So actual maps with like the grid overlays. So those are the stretch goals that they have. So one of the adventures will get that at $1,000. The both or the other will get it at 2000 Again, they're not really close to either. Well, I think they're 300 bucks away from the first one, I guess. They have 10 days to go. So that one certainly could happen. $10 will get you PDFs of both adventures as soon as the campaign ends. $20 will get you a soft cover book with both adventures as well as the PDF of both adventures. And that is expected in August of next year. That does seem a little bit weird to me that if they're ready to go, PDFs are, you know, ready immediately. That's eight, 10 months to get printed and shipped. Maybe that's, you know, again, I haven't done my own yet. So maybe that's just how long it takes to get an order put through wherever they're getting it printed and that kind of thing. Uh, shipping is going to be $10 for us and about 30 in Canada which again seems high, but I don't know. Uh, but I just, I, it kind of tickled me the idea of here's some art and you go ride an adventure and you go ride an adventure. And they basically came up with two completely different adventures. Uh, there's a little bit of information on the Kickstarter page about the two adventures. The one is called the price of iron. The other is called a kingdom's edge. Um, I don't know if it mentions. Yeah. So kingdom's edge is for parties of level five through 10. 
and the price of iron, I think that's more of an introductory levels one and two. So, yeah, I just thought that was really cool. And yeah, I think that's it on this one. Neat premise. Absolutely. Again, 600 bucks, you know, very low reasonable goal. So it seems like, yeah, again, they've already funded. I'd like to see them maybe get to, like, I don't use battle maps anyway, so that really isn't anything that I'm particularly interested in. But um, I hope that and part of me thinks that maybe they already do have them done <laughs> type of a thing and they want to include them. But I don't know. Again, I'm just making up stuff now. All right. So anything from either of you two, otherwise we will move on. This one's pretty short and sweet. It's a cool way to go about it. I like the way, what they did, but uh, yeah, it is, it is sweet. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, then we will move on. I'm going to assume this next one is the, the Savage World one. So I'm guessing this is yours, Alan. Yep. <laughs> you would be right. Um, Deadlands, Raven. This is actually not a game. This is a, uh, a, a comic. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So this this is why I have four, because this one's not a game. It's just based on a game. So like, um, yes. These folks have uh, partnered with uh, Pinnacle Entertainment before to uh, create uh, comic books uh, for graphic novels, really, for um, their Deadlands properties um, in particular. And this one was about Raven, who, if you know anything about Deadlands, is an extremely significant figure in the lore. I'm currently running a Deadlands campaign. Um, all of my player characters are related to, uh, in some way, either tangential or very closely, to one of the Reckoners, who are the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, and so for War, who is uh, the Reckoner that uh, Raven serves, uh, one of the player characters is uh, his granddaughter. So, like, if there's more lore to be had on Raven, I would like it. Thank you. I will take this. I saw this and I was like, I am backing this. Um, but yeah, so I ha- I've read the, um, the Cackler graphic novel that came out when uh, Deadlands was being updated. Um... I think that they do a really good job of uh, sticking to the tone and setting those expectations of what a Deadlands game would be like in their um, narrative while still allowing for like gaps in the plot so that games can fill in the rest of it. So I think they do a good job of not boxing in what the narrative is. And uh, allowing there to be room for players to come in and, like, interact with that. So I think that's really great. Um, and uh, with this, there is also a custom deck of Raven playing cards, which... Uh, Just as got we, to that part. As yeah, we already, really cool. So we already established, uh, I love a set of custom cards for different settings. So I was like, yep, I'm backing so I can get these cards and use them in Deadlands. <laughs> And, um, yes, so the pledge levels are, um, pretty easy, uh, $10 for the digital graphic novel, um, 25 for the hardcover, 30 for the digital bundle, which includes, um, Raven, which includes, uh, the Cackler, um, previous graphic novel and Dead Man's Hand, another previous graphic novel that they have done. Um, you can get for $30 the digital plus the hardcover, and that's, um, Raven in both PDF and hardcover version. And then uh, 35 you get uh, Raven hardcover plus the Cackler softcover. There is an option for the digital plus the hardcover and a book plate. And then there is an option for the hardcover, the book plate, and the cards, which is what I ended up getting because I wanted the cards. <laughs> um, and there's also a retailer tier. And a mini print. There's actually one further, which is there. I don't know where it is on the page for the mini print, but... 
uh, there. Oh, it's right here. Um, the original softcover mini print is a really cool image of Raven with like hunched over with a spear and using magic and above flames and like the moon behind him. So it's like, yeah, if you're really into Deadlands, like this is something you can put in your game room and on the wall and be excited about. But yeah, so this was really a quick one because it's not a game. It is just supplement to your game. If you like Deadlands, you probably already know about this, but um, if you like Deadlands and didn't know, now you do. Now you do. That's right. And then just you know, just to address your, your question in chat, um, I've been told on our Discord that people have backed things based on our recommendations on the show. Oh, so, good. Yeah, so it, it, it is having an effect. Good. Maybe we, maybe we, for our next, for our wrap-up session, we, like, have a mailbag and we, like, get Ooh. some input from people like what is what was your favorite thing you backed this year what was your favorite recommendation that we made what recommendation did you disagree with stuff like that yeah (laughs) maybe not that one maybe not that one (laughs) well no i mean all feedback is a good feedback um so yeah so the email to the show is the rpg academy at gmail.com so yeah if you're listening now and you would like to write in either a question for us to address on our wrap-up show or Again, give us some feedback on the projects we've covered, things that maybe we've missed. Like, do you have any criteria that you would suggest that we focus on? We'd, we'd love to hear any and all feedback on the show and in particular questions that we can answer. So that might spur the, the sort of the conversation we have, like what was our favorite one this year? What one did we miss? That type of thing. So, uh, yeah, that's a great idea, Ellen. Thank you for mm-hmm. that suggestion. Of course. So, uh, Larry. Your last one this week. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, this one, again, is on Indiegogo like the last one I had. This one is funding now, and it is called Beware the Yule Cat. This is a Yule-themed adventure in three different versions that you can get. So it's made for 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, made for Castles and Crusades, and made for Old School Essentials. This one is being done by Frog God Games. And they are at three thousand, just over three thousand dollars on a five hundred dollar goal. It's got twelve days left. They are um, again funded here. Uh, let's see, twelve days would put that at December first. I think the same time yours was uh, ending. This one is based on this one here has a set a northern cold village. It's called Coldhorn, and it's uh, translated into the Cold Corners. And you arrive. It, it's definitely Yule themed, as they mentioned here. Everyone's locked away in their homes. There seems to be some problems going on here with a generational long struggle between an evil troll, her husband, and her sons. The sons are known as the Yule Lads, and they just tend to run around and cause mischief. But it seems like they have stepped over the line this year. Um, She also has a favorite pet called Jolakaturin, the Yule Cat. So there's a lot of terms in here that are hard to pronounce for me. (laughs) Um, The thing here that uh, this uh, themed adventure is inspired by the Icelandic poet Johan Urkotlum. And so they've got snippets of the poem here in their Indiegogo presentation. Um, and they've based these characters, the main uh, antagonists here, on them, like the the Yule Cat, the Troll, uh, and the, her family as well. So um, 
This one is set up for four to six characters of second tier. So for fifth edition, you're looking to somewhere in what four, five, six, level seven. Uh, C and C would be levels like three to five and levels three to four in old school adventures. Um, the background here includes information on Icelandic legends. There's full color cover and illustrations in here. There's a fully developed northern village where everything starts to take place and things happen. Uh, it's also supposed to save you from freezing your tails off because you're. This is uh, to take, be dropped into an Arctic type area. Um, then there's a wilderness journey section to this, and then a final confrontation which takes place in a land of lava and fire. Mm -hmm. So they are shooting for uh, sixty plus pages of Yuletide themed goodness in here, and there are three different versions. Like I mentioned, you can get digital. And print versions, uh, you can mix and match, but that is determined at your time of backing. Uh, it's digitally $12 um, for $12 US here, and that is for digital. You can get a soft cover and the PDF for $24. Now that's domestic, and that's in the US. They do a saddle stitched printing uh, in the US, but for international, they use a print on delivery that is based over there to help on shipping but those ones are done with the uh, glued binding which is that perfect bound so it's not the same you don't get the stapled version that way if you're if you're doing it uh, anywhere else basically it's just in the u.s you can get the uh, saddle stitched uh, version if you get print but if you look through the art here and the descriptions of the little sections of the translated poem um, i think it is I don't know if adorable is the right word because the cat's like 30 feet tall and scary, like Godzilla style. <laughs> but the art in here is cartoony, and uh, there's a representation of like the Yule Lads sort of dumping water on some old man out here in the cold, which, you know, ha, that's that's adorable. But it turns out they have started, uh, cro like I said, crossing the line and doing some more horrible things. Mm -hmm. um, but it's you all can, fun and games until... It, yeah, till somebody yeah. gets an icicle Hurt. in their nose or something. Yeah. Um, so there, there is the the little pitch for this one. I think it's going to look pretty cool. I have got several of these from, um, uh, let's see, Frog God Games here, and they arrive on time. They uh, get their every all of their ducks are in a row before they uh, they go to these. So it's not like you're going to have to wait for the writing. Uh, I mean, they do deliver on time, and I've always been happy with them. And this one just looks, a, again, I hate to use the word adorable, the giant <laughs> scary cat, but hey, I'm in on this one. Let's Very see, cool. it was supposed to deliver the PDF in December of this year. Now, I don't know what part of the month, if you'll get it before Christmas or not, but they're shooting to have the PDF uh, delivered by December and February of 2023 for the print versions. Anything on this one, Alan? Um, I just was going to plug, I when you mentioned Fraga Games, I was like, wait, that sounds familiar. And I went and looked at their other campaigns. I was like, yep, I backed one of, like, The Lake of Dust, I believe, is an adventure you brought to this very podcast yes. before. And I backed that one. So I was like, oh, yes. Uh, yeah, so I, I think they're great. Um, I think this is cool. Um, I was worried when I was looking further down the page and it was like estimated shipping February. And I was like, that's not Christmas. And then I saw right. that the PDF <laughs> will be available, hopefully, so you can play a nice little holiday game with your uh, players. Right. 
All right, and then Ellen has a smuggle this week, a fourth one. <laughs> real uh, quick. We'll cover that real one. Real quick. I was cheating, but it's uh, real quick. Okay, so this one is called uh, Wildendrim, Volume 1, The Valley of Flowers, and this is not for 5e. I have completed the uh, circuit and not done anything for 5e this time. Uh, so it's for use with Cairn or Old School Essentials, um, and it is a, like, fey weird take on Arthurian legend. And I'm a very big Arthurian legend person. So I was like, yes, I have Karen. I've gotten it through itch and uh, I have never had the chance to play it. Um, I, and the fact that it's compatible with old school essentials, I was like, oh, Larry's going to be pleased because uh, he is our old school essentials guy. Um, and, <laughs> um, but uh, yes. So uh, it, there's, Oaths and quests, there are the idea behind the um, content. You can get a little um, snippet of it as you read through the page. The layout for the book looks good. The book itself looks great. Um, it's supposed to be dangerous and beautiful and interesting. And those are all things that like Arthurian legend should be. And so that was just, it was a very instant back for me. Um, because I love Arthurian Legend. But yeah, so 11 days to go, uh, finishes on December 1st. They've made their goal. The pledge levels are very reasonable. Like, for the hardcover and the PDF together, it's $35. So I was like, I know I've been saying, oh, I'm getting fewer books because I don't need more books. But I was like, that's really cheap for a hardcover and it looks nice. So I guess I'm going to get the hardcover. Um, so I did. Um, but uh, But for just the PDF, it's $15. Um, and those are really, there was another tier at 48 where you could get, um, the limited edition of Karen, but there were only a hundred backer spaces for that and they were all gone. So this is, mm. you know, this has generated a lot of interest. It seems just based on the amount of funding it has received, um, and the number of backers. So I think it's, if you're interested in Arthurian Legend, if you're interested in anything a little bit fey and weird, definitely check it out. Um, it's an opportunity to use Karen or old school essentials if you haven't gotten the chance, but have wanted to. And um, it looks really neat. I'm very excited for it. Very, very cool. Well, thank you for bringing that to the table. Mm -hmm. uh, so just once again, I will basically shout out. So again, email the show, therpgacademy at gmail.com. Our next show in two weeks, I believe on December 4th, will be the last show for the year. And again, if you want to share your how many you've backed this year, the things that you backed that you are most excited that you've gotten or still anticipating, maybe something you backed that you regretted, either because the product project wasn't what you thought it would be when you showed up or whatever the case may be. We still want to stay mostly positive. That's kind of the thing we do here at the Academy. We don't want to like just like, you know, a dog pile on a project that didn't do well, but individual stories about, you know, I backed this and it just didn't work out for me. I, we can share those types of things too, because this is there's a bit of speculation when you back something in crowdfunding. So it is a bit of a risk. Sometimes a bit of a gamble and sometimes those don't, those don't pay off. And I feel like we try to at least touch on that. Like when it's the first time something's been created, we don't shy away from it, but we also don't want to focus too much on it. All right. So that brings us to everyone's favorite part of the show. This is our going last Memorial Pickstarter event. And this is where we're going to ask our three hosts, myself included, to pick one of the nine. So the the 10th the one that uh, Ellen brought does not count. So out of our <laughs> official nine that we covered, which one of these would we back if we had all the imaginary money in the world? 
We could back at any level we wanted, but in doing so, we would be secluded from ever, or precluded from, whatever the word is, to not be able to do any of the others ever, even if someone else we knew backed them. Um, so, Ellen, it's always fun to start with you because you this, this is the game that makes you most I pain. forget about it every time. Did you see the look on my face when you said, oh, we're doing this? And I was like, no, because I brought yeah. I brought things to the table that I'm very interested in all of them. And I do this to myself every time. I know it's not a real it's not a reality of my life, but it still pains me. But, but the game works better if you try to put yourself in the, in that mindset. So out of these nine, which one would you pick start? Oh, my God. OK, so got to be one of mine because those are the things that i would use the most because they're all savage worlds and that's what i run i would have to as much as i want the lore on raven i have to like set that aside because it's not a game it is a novel a graphic novel so that leaves me between tales from the trail which is the plot point campaign for the setting that i really am interested in or vermilion which is the other setting that i'm really interested in and you have me in the center like no um i think i would go with vermilion only because the art direction is really cool and i want to be able to see the art and i would back at the highest possible tier and like um uh, but it would pain me a lot because i do want that plot point campaign for the after so i will regretfully choose vermilion and cry a little bit about it (laughs) fantastic all right and larry what about you sir I think I would go ahead and back the the double order of the puzzle boxes so I'd have some to share with friends, but it seems like a really cool hands-on physical activity to do. So I would uh, get those. That one's definitely near the top for me. That that was one of of my contenders. The Tales from the Trail Volume 2 would definitely be near the top. Uh, But because I'm trying to be smart and frugal, Going forward, if I have someone else's money to play with, it's going to be Heroes of Might and Magic 3, so I can just go in at that collector's level and get all the things that, that I will never actually use uh, because I, I've, I've bought games now to paint the minis. I still haven't painted the minis, but, you know, it's, it's something I say I'm going to do maybe maybe someday. Uh, maybe when I go, when I disappear myself in the Yucatan when, I'm, when my kids are 27, that's that's what they'll find me doing. That'll, that'll be what's hidden inside the thing is like a, a, a little mini in like a... a Coordinates, or but you can't have the yeah. puzzle box in that reality because you back oh, the other, no. you back the other thing. So you have to steal one of Larry's that he yeah. backed. Steal so whatever you want, I, you know, or what? I'll, 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 I'll put like a cryptogram on the back side of all the tiles. So when they play the game and then flip it over, it will spell out something. So I can still do it, something like that. But yeah, here's all my right. magic uh, three: the board game at the collector's level, just to get all the things. <laughs> All right, so that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, one last time around the horn, where, where can people find you, interact with you, chat with you about your opinions and the games and stuff that you want to share? Um, Ellen. Uh, you can find me on twitter.com slash Ellen underscore Delina, D-A-L-I-N-A, as long as Twitter is still existing. Um, <laughs> uh, alternatives? The Search my name on Instagram. You can find me there. I post art. That's about it. Um, but yes, I do... Um, Art for Chaotic Wonderful, which is a Twitch stream, and uh, you can find me on um, Isle of Misfit Rolls on Tuesdays. Fantastic. And then Larry. Over if you have, an, if you have the AnchorCast app, you can do direct messaging, leave voicemails and stuff, but uh, Mumfrey's Musings is my AnchorCast, and on Twitter over at Mumfrey999, also at uh, the Mastodon at Dice Camp at Mumfrey9992 as well. Uh, 
As for me, the RPG Academy podcast, everything I do can be found there. Uh, I am most active on Twitter currently. I am not confident that that site will be around much longer or that I will be on it. So I have started doing things on Mastodon as well, also under the RPG Academy at Dice Camp. Um, I don't do really any Facebook, but that's awesome. I hate giving money to Zuckerberg too, but it's just effective marketing and I'm there for my family stuff. So but Twitter right now is still the place to go, but slowly moving over. Actually, I'll say the, the Discord. That is my favorite little corner of the internet. I absolutely love our Discord community. It is a private community in that you have to ask to be invited, but we will invite pretty much anyone that asks. We just don't make it public because we got a bunch of people jumped in with doing stupid stuff right away. So we've locked it down. Absolutely my favorite corner of the internet. I love all the people there and we chat every day about nerdy stuff and books and TVs and games and that kind of stuff. Uh, so that would be a great place to find me as well. And please, please, please email the show, therpgacademy at gmail.com and give us your recommendations for things we missed. Give us some criteria that we can use to build better lists in the future. Maybe give us some of your pick starters, like what you would have chosen if you could only back one. Anything and everything, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, and we'll see you in two weeks. So with that, we will say if you're having fun, you're doing, doing it, it right. 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 And then Action Pulp Cinema. February 28th.